welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each week I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development, and have done for 31 episodes this year. So as a way of wrapping this up for 2019, I wanted to share a summary of my learning so far and look ahead to next year. So how would I sum things up? Well, first of all, the shift from learning to performance is well underway. It was a key theme for many of the guests who have appeared on the podcast, none more so than Andy Lancaster, who's published his book this year, Driving Performance Through Learning. I think that is a key indicator for where the profession's going, and as well as a good tactical guide and a summary of, of how we might get there, was a really strong foundation for what this, what this move is actually about. But that's not to say that this is a new phenomena. I've got to, to recognize Nigel Harrison and the work of Bob Mosher as well, who've been guests this year, because they've been talking about this for quite some time. And it seems that the emergence of data in learning and development far beyond what we were using as evaluation data previously is a good signifier of where we should be applying our attention. And of course, if we're going to be addressing the primary concerns of our workforce, of our organizations, it's gonna be around performance. Now that's a long way since the beginning of this year, since uh, I, I certainly remember some conversations on LinkedIn, on a post that I shared, that we should be accountable for performance metrics. Now, not not necessarily performance of the individuals within our organizations, but hold ourselves accountable to both understanding what performance needs to be addressed, what acceptable performance actually looks like, and then measuring our success on an uptick of that data, and then using that data to understand performance to a greater degree. And that brings me on nicely to my second point, because we're not gonna be doing that by placing big bets on programs and systems because experimentation is the key here. It's trying to see if stuff works. And we heard from many of our guests, whether that be Tracy Waters at Sky, Adam Harwood at D&D, Mike Collins at River Island, or, or Jeremy McLennan on just, just last week's episode. Everybody's now experimenting to see whether they can move the needle in the ways that are gonna make the biggest difference. Starting by focusing on performance in the first place, but then experimenting and whether that means running workshops um, that are lighter touch, not so content driven, whether that's resources, not courses, whatever it takes to work with and for the client in order to move the needle in a way that's meaningful for them and important for the organization, which is a long way from the build it and they will come of, uh, of a bygone age because my third point is build it and they won't come. The customized LMS filled with content is of a bygone era. We can no longer believe that the tail wags the dog in this regard, or that infrequent attendance on courses is simply enough. It really struck me, um, considering over the last couple of years, that as busy as learning and development may be, scheduling programs that are full, if it's the experience of one individual employee who may not attend a program for two years or more, that we are expecting that we are providing them with what they need of the, the culturally rich 
development uh, and and experiences that that are required for them to grow in what is a faster a more dynamic business environment than ever before it's just not the case and so we need to to move forward and my fourth point is with the changes to the workforce the workplace and the nature of work itself which was so brilliantly articulated by Andy Lancaster when we talked about his book we need to change the way we think and the way we work to lead ourselves and our organizations to greater impact. So what might that mean? That could be working agile. Now I know that this is something that's being experimented with for some, it's a buzzword for others that's to be resisted, perhaps until the buzz goes away, but it, it's also something that's being fully embraced in other organizations to achieve not just more and not just quicker, but to achieve a different type of results, going back to that first point, that means that we're affecting performance, that we're experimenting to move the needle, and that with an agile mindset, which is working with and for the client, uh, understanding what it is that they are trying to achieve, and then iterating over a period of time to actually continue to affect performance, output, results, and data, it can be, ex well, it can be a game changer for learning and development. Now, one of the keys, I think, to, to 2020 for us in learning and development is truly understanding user centricity or, as Danny Seals calls it, human centered design, which we think we've mastered or we've, we've cracked in learning and development because we are people people after all. And we are all about helping others to to realize their potential, to grow within their roles and to achieve more. But that's not what user centricity or human centered design actually is. I think that's a big learning for learning and development, that it's not about the attendance on a program or considering people or having them exercise. This is truly understanding performance from their perspective, what it is that they're trying to achieve and what it is that's getting in the way. A completely separate discipline that I think certainly on this podcast we'll be exploring a great deal more. Performance consulting, as we discussed with Nigel Harrison in a previous episode, it's not an emerging trend. It's one that's being embraced a lot more, um, perhaps in contrast to the training needs analysis or learning needs analysis, uh, and one that's going to help us get to that, aim, that first aim that I mentioned before about truly affecting performance. Following Nick Shackleton Jones's lead, again, like we, we're talking now the best part of a decade, Nick's been talking about resources, not courses. Um, and and the, well, first of all, 2019 and the conversations we've had, there are so many people embracing this approach right now. Um, it is, it really is flourishing. I think it's proven that it's that it's not a fad. Well, I think Google proves that it's not a fad. Um, but resources, not courses, as both a mindset and a practice, is incredibly crucial and one that I'd like to explore again uh, in the coming year. And then uh, finally on this, um, learning in the flow of work, a much misunderstood practice because uh, without a full definition, it is at risk of being absorbed by traditional practice, by the, by the accessibility of content at people's desktops, which it truly is not. Uh, learning in the flow of work, as we've discussed on previous uh, podcasts, or workflow learning as as Bob Mosher and I spoke about this, is learning while working. It's not the, the stopping work to learn at all. The way I equate it is if you have to pause for a moment, it's, it's 
like a, a, a very specific Google search that goes particularly well, that you haven't stopped working, you've just paused for a moment, you've gone to look, and then you're building your knowledge and know-how and insights from where you were, but it's all focused on what you're trying to achieve. Perhaps it's, be it's better likened to spinning your chair around for a colleague and saying, hey, can I just borrow you for a moment, can, talking about what it is that you're trying to do and then getting either information, know-how or insights that you can immediately turn your chair around and then apply. It is so intrinsically linked to what it is that you're trying to do. And of course, the, the opportunities with, uh, with uh, learning in the flow of work now means that the power of this isn't in necessarily knowing and understanding what it is that you need to know next. It's about being guided and supported at the right times in order to do the stuff that you didn't even know you needed to do. Again, using smart technology, leading with digital, it can really fill the gaps in people's experiences. Which brings me on to the fifth and final point that I'd like to make, which I think is uh, it wraps up this summary particularly well. And it was in a conversation with Danny Seals in an earlier episode where we were talking about experience design. And the thing that really struck me about that and my conversation since is that people are already having experiences at work. Now, I'm not, not telling you anything that you don't know already, but these experiences may be good, bad, effective, ineffective, or largely indifferent, or they may even be obstacles to, to good performance. So if we can understand the experiences that people are having at work, what it is that they are trying to do, then we can design even greater experiences. Um, again, I can't, I'd love to point you in the direction of Danny Seals uh, conversation uh, one more time, because by understanding what it is that people are trying to do, the experiences they're having, what's required of the organization, then better experiences can be designed in order to move them along, in order to uh, improve performance in in order to create insight far more effectively than and I, I keep relating this back to my my apprenticeship in learning and development for so long and I can't tell you how many times when being asked for a course or asked for a solution I agreed to a, a course or I suggested one when truly I knew that that wasn't what was required the delivery of content and the practice of something that run parallel to what it was that people were trying to do, perhaps parallel is, uh, might be overrigging it uh, slightly, is, is not always required. But again, going back to user centricity, human centered design, understand what it is that people are already experiencing in relation to what it is that they're trying to do and try to design experiences that help to move the needle in some way. Now, Again, relating back to 30 odd conversations that I've had since June, that is, it's not easy to, to condense those down. There were other great conversations that, uh, that I had, and I'm hugely grateful for all my guests who've agreed, agreed to, uh, to appear on here and, and generously share their expertise and their insights. I'd like to thank everybody who's been in touch who's commented and shared posts and, and suggested topics for which I have uh, a few more suggestions that I'm lining up guests to speak, uh, to speak with about them. So I'm incredibly grateful to everybody. So that's a wrap. We'll be back on the 7th of January with a fantastic conversation with Gary Wise talking about point of work solutions. Uh, all that's left for me to say is happy holidays if I've caught you in time. If you're still catching up with these at a later time, I hope you have a wonderful time regardless uh, and goodbye for now.